0: Um, So I'm so pleased today, we have um, three uh, incredible speakers for the price of one, Um, we have two of our elders speaking um, and Odell is going to come and speak to us again as well and they're going to remind us of what the vision and the purpose of this church is along the kind of three strands that we have of uh, loving Edinburgh, being family and following Jesus. So first up to come and speak to us about following Jesus because that's where it all begins, Uh, would you please give a very warm uh, Central Church welcome to Mr. Edwin Backler Eddie was late this morning, but don't hold that against him. Uh, Why don't I pray for him and pray for us now together? Father, we thank you for Eddie, and we thank you uh, for the gift that he has, the incredible gift that he has of communicating. And Father, we thank you for this message that you have laid on his heart. We thank you for these three messages ahead. I pray for each one of us, God, that we would be receptive, that we would be inspired, that we would be enthusiastic, and that we would feed off this wonderful wisdom of these three great people.
1: In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So those of you who know me may be surprised to know that I'm on Instagram. (laughs) Yes, I can tell from those laughs that you are surprised. I have some enviable statistics. I've been on Instagram for six years. I have amassed 15 followers. (laughs) I have made 18 posts. That's roughly three a year. I thought that was quite good. Then I started looking into it a little bit more. I discovered that you can find out about other people. So Katie, my wife, I discovered has 330 followers. But then I went on to my two teenage sons, Tom and Alex. They have over 1,000 followers each. Suddenly I wasn't feeling so smug. But here's the kicker, here's the kicker. My father-in-law has got over 1,000 followers. So I have a bit of work to do. Apparently there are about one billion users of Instagram across the world today. One billion users. The highest number of followers I found out is Cristiano Ronaldo, the footballer, 181 million followers. Second to that is the singer Ariana Grande, 163 million followers. So those statistics on Instagram show that there's an inherent human desire or need to follow people. And that call to follow isn't new. Where 2,000 years ago, some of the very first words we hear in Jesus' adult life were, follow me, follow me. Jesus invited countless people to follow him when he was here and continues to invite countless people to follow him right now, today. And it's, that is why this idea of following Jesus is the central part of our vision here at Central Church. Now, if you look at following on Instagram and following Jesus and contrast those two things, following on Instagram is relatively passive, but following Jesus, when we do it right, is entirely proactive. Following on Instagram is for information or for entertainment. But following Jesus costs us something. It requires something of us. It's costly. Following on Instagram is transactional, whereas following Jesus, as we've heard from these four incredible folk just before us, is entirely relational. Following on Instagram is impersonal, while following Jesus is personal. Jesus said this, Take up your cross and follow me. Give up your own way and follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, Jesus says, you won't have to walk in darkness because I'm the light of the world. Jesus asks something of his followers and Jesus promises something as well. You see, following Jesus changes lives. That's the difference. Following Jesus changes lives. Notice those words, following and change as. Following is dynamic. It's ongoing. We don't just click a follow button and that's the end of it. It's ongoing. It's dynamic. It's continual. And it's as we keep on following Jesus that he keeps on changing us. His invitation is universal. To everyone, that invitation is open. And, and, it's profoundly personal. Again, as we heard from these four folk, it's individual and profoundly personal. When Jesus was teaching others when he was here on earth, he he often used the analogy of shepherd and sheep. So he likened himself to the shepherd and his followers to the sheep. And on one instance, he he said this, my sheep hear my voice. I hear know them and they follow me I know them it's so personal isn't it you don't get that on Instagram I know them said Jesus they hear me they recognize me they listen to me and they follow me and so if we believe that following Jesus does change lives how do we go about following him how do we do that here in this context? I think the answer is we do it individually and we do it collectively together. So there's a few key ingredients if you like. So one would be in a big gathering like this where loads of people are coming together. We come uh, like uh, to pursue God together. Another one might be a smaller gathering, a family, a community, something not as big as this, something a little bit smaller. And the third ingredient, something personal some sort of daily conversation that we have with God, some sort of rhythm that we establish as part of our lives. So the recipe we use, the mix with which we put all of those things together, that's gonna differ for all of us. It's gonna differ at different stages of life and all the rest of it. But those three key ingredients are really important to have and that's what we believe here at Central. So what about the large gathered like this? We come together to worship to worship our King of Kings, believing that that is who we come to worship. We raise our voices in praise, We, we experience mutual encouragement simply by being here, by looking around and seeing other people and knowing that we're not alone. We have a shared faith, we have a shared hope. We come together as a public demonstration of our faith. A bit like being baptized, we come together to say, this is who we believe in, this is who we've we've given our life to. And we come together too to hear God speaking in power through the power of his spirit about his son, Jesus Christ. And through preaching, we believe that God's word comes alive for all of us corporately as well as for each of us individually. What about the next ingredient, the smaller gathered, if you like, in, in our families, in our communities, in our prayer triplets, whatever it looks like, something a little bit smaller where we talk, where we discuss, where we grapple with and apply God's word to every aspect of life, to the routine, to the normal, to things that we just do day in and day out. We grow together, we pray together, we laugh together, we cry together, we do life Together. And we endeavor to continually integrate this idea of following Jesus into more and more and more of our everyday lives. It's continual. In that, we recognize our deep dependence on God and our inherent need of each other. We see the gift that we are to each other that God has given. And the third thing, the third ingredient, the personal rhythm, the individual. Devotion. Why, why do we have, why do we talk about having something that's daily? If you imagine that a road is straight, you've seen some of these huge, straight roads in in, in the States that go on for hundreds of miles. You don't really need to follow anybody when their road is straight. But the road of life isn't straight. There's so many twists, there's so many turns, there's so many ups, there's so many bumps, there's so many potholes. That's why following is so important. That's why a daily rhythm just makes sense. I mean, you don't on a Sunday night clean your teeth for an hour and a half and say, that'll do for the rest of the week. So why would we do that in our time with God? We take time to pray. We take time to read his word, to understand it, to apply it, to invite Jesus into our day more and more. Take time to reflect, to give thanks, to confess, when we've got it wrong, to accept forgiveness, to grow in wonder, to grow in dependence, to grow in hope. So what about you, what about me? How are we going to follow? Remember it's continual, this isn't about making some huge sea change, setting yourself an expectation that by Wednesday you've fallen flat on your face. What could you change this week, this month? Remember that following Jesus is dynamic it is living it will ebb and flow and change with circumstances of life it's it's alive seasons of life change we need to be proactive in seeing how do we work with that so perhaps you're older and retired and you're thinking I don't really have much to give anymore I don't have the energy that might be true but that doesn't it doesn't follow then that you don't have much to give In this very church, the students have been, some of the students have been crying out for an opportunity to talk to older people to express some of the anxieties that they've got. Find opportunities to relate. Maybe you don't have the physical um, energy that you did, but that doesn't require it having a conversation. Maybe you're a teenager or or a student and you're you're struggling to see what on earth is the relevance of this thing we call church. Why do we bother doing it? Well, maybe you could stop and, 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 and listen a bit. Those are great questions to ask. How could you concentrate a little bit more in, in situations like this? Could you come and actually bring some questions to some of the folk who are leading to help us make things more relevant as far as, you, as, far as you're going? So don't just say it's not relevant and forget it. See if there's something that you can add. Maybe you're a busy mum or, or, or a busy dad and you think, I really need to be having half an hour on my knees every day. Well, that's probably not realistic for you at the minute. Ten minutes is okay. What is realistic? What can you do? Or you're a conscientious and ambitious employee and just say, I don't have time for this community stuff. Well, I think the best advice there is make some time. That will help you in every other aspect of life. So are we all in for following Jesus and having our lives changed? Are we ready to recommit to doing that? Just before I hand over to Adele, I thought I would do something momentous. I will do my 19th Instagram post. (laughs) I will ask all of you to take out your phones as well, get your Instagram app open. Take a selfie or take a picture of somebody beside you and put hashtag following Jesus changes lives. Are you ready? Let me see them out. Come on, let's go. I have to work out how to do it. I can't. There we go. Right. Following Jesus changes lives. Let's see how that trends during today. Adele. Adele.
2: Thanks, Eddie. Bex will be all over searching that hashtag later. Continuing on with talking about social media, I wrote a post on social media the other day that started like this. To me, family is about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dot, dot, dot. And the continuation of that sentence, You can find it if you look for me on Instagram, but that came about after a moment of laughter within my family, a tantrum from my two-year-old, some crosswords, everyday normal family realities. And this morning, if you were a fly on the wall in our house, you could say I'm either very overqualified or very underqualified to talk about being family this morning. Being family as a church needs to be real, which means good times and hard times. It means joy and pain. It means moments of happiness and moments of sadness. The famous saying goes, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And that's true as a church. Okay, if there's somebody here that you don't like, you could choose to go to another church, of course, but actually, it's when we choose to be family and go through the good, the bad, and the ugly together that we grow. When we look to the example of the early church in Acts, we see a community of people who came together, were real with one another, who gathered and we're committed to being family and a team. And so join me or, watch, or look on the screen as I read the words from Acts 2, 44 to 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The language that we can see in verse 44, all the believers were together. They were united. They came together by something, Jesus. That was the thing. As we've heard already, following Jesus is what brought them. They led, they lived radically, they sold possessions, and every single day they met together. And initially you might think, wow, I don't think I want to actually meet with my church family every day or my community every day. Maybe God's not asking you to actually do that. Or maybe he is. But today... In the first part, the first instalment of our All In gathering, which will be continued next week, we are asking the question, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus and be following him? Being family and loving Edinburgh. We want to be a family who go through the good, the bad and the ugly, who serve one another, support each other We can do that to a degree when we gather in this space and it's so encouraging to have a season that we're in right now where we're going to have one gathering every single Sunday where we can come together, bring our three gatherings together. But actually, we can't know everything that there is to know in the lives of hundreds of people here. And that is why our communities are so crucial. They are the vehicle for us to be family together, to meet regularly, to grow more as missional disciples, to grapple with stuff. We need to help each other and love one another And as we can see in verse 46, it also talks about the fact that they broke bread together. Something so important for us as family, because as we remember what Jesus has done for us, we too can learn to love and forgive those in our church family and those who come through our communities that don't yet know Jesus. Sometimes being family is hard especially if our own personal experience of family has been dysfunctional, has been painful. But it's what God calls us to do, and we're on a journey to do it together. When we first moved to Edinburgh, we had a six-month-old baby. I knew nobody. It was quite isolating. We moved into Oxgangs, and we became a part of that community community. And for a season and stage in my life, I actually did do everyday life with one person, who is not my husband, who is sitting here today. Hannah Montgomery and I definitely experienced the good, the bad, and the ugly most days. Our doors were open to one another. We would wrestle with stuff together. We would uh, go for a walk when both of our children were crying we would go for a walk if one of us was crying. We did family together, it was real. I felt so blessed, but I didn't wanna just keep that experience of family between Hannah and I. As a community, we were asking, how do we do this with people that don't yet know Jesus? If I ran out of eggs, I might go to Hannah. There was one time where she rang me at six o'clock in the morning. I have no nappies. So I went over and gave nappies to Hannah. It looked real. It looked normal. The list goes on. And whilst we weren't living under the same roof, which many of the people in the early church were, we were committed in that season and in that stage of our lives to do family together and within our community to work out how we did that in our neighbourhood. And there was a time when a mum at the local mums and toddlers group that we went to had her second baby and was in a real sense of despair and need. And so we did what we would have done in this church family. We set up a meal rotor, We asked other people in the community um, to come and to support this woman. And I would love to stand here today and say to you that that friend of mine has made a decision to follow Jesus. She hasn't yet but what she experienced through that was the love and the support and the encouragement of family and when I met up with her just two weeks ago she still spoke about that and at a time in her life where she'd just lost her mother she asked me to pray with her it's the simple and small acts done consistently that show being family. And I could reel off a whole list of things that people in this church are already doing to be family. Some people keep it hidden. Craig and Kirsty Watkins have opened their homes hundreds of times to people, maybe if they've met them just for the first day. The sanctuary community are providing food and clothing to people when they move to this country and they have nothing. Annie Backler one of our young people who has helped me on numerous occasions by looking after my children after a gathering so I can have an uninterrupted conversation with someone the Portobello community who have collected litter in their community to show love in practical ways Clive and Liz Beach who have brought young people from their community to hear to PowerPoint even if the music is not their cup of tea And so on and so on. People visiting in hospitals. People giving meals. But is God asking us, as we think about either our commitment for the first time or our recommitment to all in, to do something else, different, more in being family? I would encourage you to ask him. Because we're not saying live as three families together, open your home every single day to the people that are vulnerable in your community and cook for everybody. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is, could you do something more with what God has given you? Maybe you're already being family and you're doing that in an amazing way. Then share it with us so we can learn from you. Sometimes it's about stepping out of our comfort zones. And for us personally as a family, we made a decision a number of years ago to have four family values that we were going to live by. To be prayerful, hospitable, loving and courageous. That means that we open our door to people, even if my bathroom's not clean and I've only got a cup of tea to offer them. That means we offer to pray for our neighbours. That means we try and support people here when they're going through a tough time. Are we perfect at it? Far from it, like I say, if you'd been a fly on the wall in our house this morning, do we always get it right? No, do we sometimes need to put boundaries in place? Yes, absolutely. But do we try to learn from the model that we've seen in this scripture this morning and countless other passages of what it means to be family together? So, as we continue to be family and make this decision to commit for the first time or recommit. Why don't we have the boldness and pray that actually in a year's time we will hear and see more and more testimonies of people who have encountered being family through people who are sitting here as they've gone into their communities and they have been family and shown love in practical ways. James.
3: Brilliant. So, nearly there, nearly there, nearly there. So, loving Edinburgh. Um, In many ways, loving Edinburgh is such a vague phrase. Now, some of you will love that because it gives you so much opportunity to uh, play and figure it out and imagine what it means. And for others of us, it's almost unhelpful because it needs that figuring out and that translation. So, to make sure on the page, what are we really talking about? We're basically talking about everything they've already spoken about. I'd probably sit down and the message would be complete. But it's part of our vision, so we want to pull out... um, a little more of what we're talking about. And you see, in the beginning, it says that God created and God expressed his perfect joy and his perfect love with himself within this mysterious trinity of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And as part of that, he created us. He created us for his revelation. He created mankind to see him. He made us to know and understand him and to walk our, on our, walk our days on earth as one of his companions. And he intended that and he desired that for every human being on this planet. And the, there are kind of two aspects. These, these aspects of love and of revelation, which are so core to who God is. We're going to try a live demonstration, illustration with um, Aaron. This, is, this always goes wrong. Nobody says do live um, illustrations. But for... I grew up, my brother's a drummer, and I would wake up at 6.30 every small morning, and I'd hear him hitting this pad. And he was saying, I'm doing my paradiddle, which is such a cool, weird word. And effectively, what it means, I think it's to help you get your rhythm really, really even. And basically, what you do is you go left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. Does that make sense? Left, right, left, left, right. And to start with, it sounds kind of, give us it slowly, So it's kind of got a bit of a rhythm, but you can hear it. And then as you speed it up... And the faster you go, and you end up perfect. That's... But what starts out as almost quite a clunky rhythm quickly becomes a perfectly integrated, almost indistinguishable purr. And that's what it is with love... And revelation when we talk about love at Edinburgh, because you see, love always points to the source of love. You see, love isn't love without revelation of who God is, and by the same means, nor is revelation of God revelation of God without love, because revelation always incarnates God's love Himself. And yet, I don't know if about you, but I look at my life sometimes, and I do try and kind of pull them apart a little bit. We can decide we're too busy. Uh, to love someone to a point where it almost undermines our own witness and intention. Or the other ways, we're very happy to love practically, but when it comes to mentioning God or Jesus, it's very much a case of he sh- who shall not be named. And yet what we see in Jesus is this perfectly... This, this, this perfect personified way of revelation of love in the way he lived, in the way he interacted with people. He loved indiscriminately. He always had time for the person in front of him. And yet he was always pointing to that source of hope and of love. He was always pointing to the Father. And in Matthew 5, Jesus says that we, you are the light of the world. And he went on, he said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And he says, let others, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, God made us as his church, us as individuals to be seen. We're meant to be visible in our neighborhoods and our communities. We're meant to be meaningfully involved in the lives of the people whose paths we cross. And we're also meant to be engaging in the spheres of influence that we find ourselves, be it our workplace, the organisations we work in, be it local council, government. And in, when we say we're all in and we want to love Edinburgh, we're saying we want to be meaningfully engaged with the people of this city and its systems. We want to see the wisdom of God be manifest in revelation and love in every area. You see, love travels Small things travel, like Adele pointed out. They're remembered. They ripple. You know, we want to be a church who make ripples right across Edinburgh in lots of different ways. Loving Edinburgh is not something we can outsource to each other. We can't look around and think, "Well, they can all do it. They'll do it. I'll just watch." That nothing happens if that is the case. Whether it's organising mums for new meals, organising meals for new mums—it's wrong around. Whether it's running a business with explicit values of grace, whether it's whether we partner with Bethany or create spaces in our neighbourhoods and our communities, the fact is that if we do these things, this city gets cared for. And we need to find our voice. In Romans, Paul writes, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation." For all who believes we need to learn boldness again we need to lose some of the fear we need to realize that this gospel that we have we've put our pinned our lives on is power and wisdom and for me the most convicting thing about the gospel is that it works it really does work it's the answer to guilt It's the answer to our self-worth issues. It's the answer to an overburdening ambition. It's the answer to our disappointment and our grief. It's the solution to that inner peace. It really does work. And we live in a city with people who desperately need the power of the gospel in their lives and in their hearts. So we need to learn to speak. We need to learn to be confident of what we're talking about. And while I'm here, this is a freebie church, let's stop living out of guilt. We are experts at guilt-based living. We are experts at living out of obligation. And yet, the, the, living the gospel is freedom and love. Let's go after love-based living. And finally, as I end, there is no should in love. I'm not saying it doesn't require some self-discipline when we're not feeling it. You know, we need to make some priorities. But obligation is not part of the gospel of grace. And yesterday, I was was walking in the rain. I imagine we all got soaked yesterday if we're out. And I was praying for today. And I just sensed God to say this to me. He said, don't tell them they should love Edinburgh. Tell them I do. Yeah? Don't tell them they should love Edinburgh. Tell them I do. Because you see, when we start looking to see as God sees, we receive that capacity to love. When He reveals that to our hearts, His vision for our city and its people happens. And occasionally, I've got a very stubborn heart, and I get grumpy often. And sometimes, what I found, I found myself walking to work. And out of a discipline, I've said this before, the discipline I have sometimes is I walk through the meadows. And I look every person I walk past in the face subtly, not creepily. <laughs> well, no one's no one's fed back. But um, but what I found myself, to, I I I look at them carefully, and I and I in my mind I label them as made in the image of God. And there are some strange faces, and you, you, you it does it's really quite an odd feeling. But when you see their humanity when you see the vulnerability, when you see the glory of difference and you see that kind of, you humanise them again, your compassion is stirred because we start seeing them as God is. So you see, loving Edinburgh starts with us learning to wait on God. We're almost gone full circle back to Eddie. We listen, we pray, we use our spiritual imagination and then we love wherever and whoever the Holy Spirit is leads so we're going to sing one more song and uh, what we want to do is the prayer guys are going to be there right? we want to respond to encountering God, we don't have to pray for one another we can do it in our seats, we can do it with the person who we came with, but actually we want to say this morning, what it means to be all in is I want my heart, God, to be stirred for a vision of you a vision for you a vision for my church, a vision for our city and we need to receive. We need our hearts to be stirred in order to be fruitful. So, uh, Neil's going to come pray for us seamlessly, and we'll continue.
0: Great. Yeah, uh, you may have picked up there's one thing just to point out, uh, which is that your kids are going to be brought down to you. However, if you do have uh, kids in creche, Could you please go and retrieve them uh, during this song, if that's okay, Um, because we're going to do something different just before we eat together. Why don't we stand together, if you can, and we'll pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for the vision of this church. Uh, We thank you that we are called uh, as followers of you um, to be family together and to love Edinburgh. And God, we pray that you would bless us now um, and uh, as we sing one more song. In Jesus' name, amen.